0: Welcome to PrismaCast, the podcast of Prisma, Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Rachel Dratch, Associate Director of Educational Innovation here at Prisma, and this podcast is part of an amazing series called Startup Day School, envisioned and produced by Mr. Josh Gold, who is not only the middle school principal at the Hafter School in Lawrence, New York, but is also pursuing a doctorate at Yeshiva University. Without further ado... Here's Josh with
1: Startup Day School.
0: Welcome back to the Startup Day School podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gold. This is episode three. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I am so privileged to be joined by my guest today, Dan Weiss. Dan is the head of school at the Born Bloom Jewish Community Day School in Memphis, Tennessee. And we're going to be having a very interesting conversation around how to turn challenge into opportunity during this time of COVID and quarantine, and how to utilize technology in the classroom, whether it's virtual or in the regular classroom, and also how to create a culture of exploring safely uh, new ideas in pedagogy. Uh, Dan comes to us highly recommended based on the incredible work that he has been doing at his school uh, at large, and certainly in the particular uh, dynamics of late. So we're gonna jump right in. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your background? How did you come to become the head of school at Bloom?
1: So I'm I'm happy to uh, give you some of my background. It sounds like I'm giving you my resume, but- uh, (laughs) I have been in Jewish education in the day school world since I was a child. I went to Solomon Schechter Day School in Cleveland, Ohio, growing up and always knew that I wanted to go into the profession of working in a Jewish day school. I thought originally that it would be just as a teacher uh, and quickly decided that I wanted to be able to have a broader impact on the school and that I would wanna go into the administrative world. So when I graduated from Ohio State and started working on my master's degree at Segal College in Cleveland, Ohio, I ended up at the same school that I grew up at, which at that point was uh, changing its name to gross Schechter Day School. And Jim Rogozin was the head of school at at the time. And he asked me what I wanted to teach, and I said, I'd I'd love to teach in the middle school. And he said, great. So he put me in first grade. And I didn't really understand why until the next year he put me in fifth grade, and then the year after that he put me in third grade, and only a little bit of middle school work uh, in addition to those other grades. And I said to him, Rabbi Rogazin, what's going on here? You, You know that I want to be teaching in the middle school. Why are you putting me in these younger grades? And he said, you also told me that one day you want to go into administration. And I don't ever want a teacher to say to you, you don't know what it's like to teach first grade, or you don't Mm -hmm. know what it's like to teach third grade. So I use that as an opportunity to uh, learn what it meant to be an administrator by having an experience of teaching in different grades. And over the years, I I took roles in Miami, Florida at a Jewish day school as their director of Judaic studies. I ended up back in Cleveland as a middle school Jewish studies principal. And then I became head of school at the Salomon Schechter Day School in Las Vegas for three years and I'm just finishing my second year now at Bornblum Jewish Community School in Memphis as their head of school.
0: Very, very cool. And a really uh, eclectic background of experiences that I'm sure uh, provides sort of a rich tapestry of experiences to kind of make up uh, your philosophies as a school leader and and certainly your sensitivity to the different um, needs of different grades as a, as a school leader of a K through eight school, correct?
1: Correct, yeah. And yeah, It's definitely, it's been a learning experience because of all those opportunities that I've had.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure that that uh, varied background also provides you with a sort of unique perspective on um, how to make uh, adjustments in the COVID era of a school Uh, schools being nimble and being creative. You originally got on my radar uh, for this podcast because uh, I had heard you were doing incredible things at your school to be creative and see sort of the opportunity in the challenge of the COVID uh, episode that we are in right now. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing at your school that have been effective and creative and maybe outside the box as far as that's concerned?
1: So it's a really good question because it's so hard in the situation that we're dealing with to not be reactive and to try and be as proactive as you can be in creating the things that you're doing. And who knew back in uh, at the start of this past school year that we would be finishing the year in the way that we had. And so we really had to look at the things that we were doing over the course of the year as a way to get us to where we are today. So for example, uh, back in January, our director of technology said, Dan, I have to show you this cool thing that I found on Microsoft called Microsoft Teams. We were using the 365 and uh, Office 365. And he said, there's this great thing called Microsoft Teams. So in January, he said, let's explore this together. And so we played around with it and we figured out that there were ways that we could incorporate that into the things that we were doing in the school. We started to show it to a couple of the teachers and who knew that in March we would have to switch our entire learning platform to using Microsoft Teams. Um, So we were really successful because we had already started that practice of figuring out how to be able to use it to begin with. It made switching the, you know, going, it was like flipping a switch, 48 hours. And we went from being a school where the kids were in the building to teaching in an online environment. I never thought I'd be the head of an online school. No training could have given me that information uh, to, to help me get to where we are. But we really, we had to think of ways that we were gonna make sure that our kids were still getting content, consistency, curriculum, community, and communication. Because one of the big things that we pride ourselves on and something that people have always said about our school is it feels like a family. And so we created within the school mishpachot. We created families within the school where we divided the kids across the grade levels Uh, to allow them to meet other teachers, allow them to meet other students in different grades, and have advocates and be able to role model for the younger kids and do all of these things. So we had built this great community within the school, and we had to find a way to be able to keep that. So we were able, uh, even through this online learning, this platform that we had to go to, to find a way for our mishpachot to come together and do things. Our field day was mishpacha versus mishpacha. Uh, which was a lot of fun for the kids because they really had that opportunity to spend time with each other to continue to foster those relationships that they were building up. I'm the parent of two kids in the school, one who just graduated last month uh, and one who's going to be in sixth grade this coming year. And the number of times that my now sixth grader received calls from his uh, buddy who was in kindergarten, or uh, reached out to his buddy in kindergarten just because they wanted to connect and say hi to each other using Microsoft Teams was an incredible opportunity for our kids. So, you know, that's one of the things that we wanted to make sure continued to happen. And we found a schedule that worked for the kids to give them all of those, we call them the five C's, that content, consistency, curriculum, community and communication. And we've been really successful in in making sure that happens so much so that people have become jealous. Uh, the public school parents in our community and some of the other private school parents, they wished that their kids had what our kids had. And so we were reactive to that and found ways to provide we call it virtual born bloom. and we created a virtual born bloom for non-born Bloom students. Uh, and we opened our teachers up three times a week to students in the community to give them some content and curriculum also. And that's actually turned into a, a summer camp that we're doing that kicked off this week.
0: That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it, it definitely pivoting to the place of a virtual platform uh, has been challenging for for teachers and students and parents. Um, and to your point, you know the academic rigor and the maintaining of curricula is certainly one piece of it. but the sort of bigger piece of it that's that's more challenging and even maybe more important is maintaining that sense of community and cohesion and consistency in the in the students' life. and I think that For that, it's just as much art as it is science when it comes to a school leadership perspective. How did you uh, sort of like empower teachers to be able to um, lean into maybe what might have been new, uncomfortable, scary uh, technology shifts, embracing new platforms, all these different things that uh, for so many teachers who have been doing things one way for so long may have brought, may may have been challenging? How did you uh, kind of? bring them into that in a way that felt safe, in a way that felt like they could own it?
1: You know, there's definitely some hand-holding, uh, a lot of one-on-one sessions with some of the teachers to help them be able to use the technology effectively. There were some classes at the very beginning that I had to go in on the class with the teacher to help get things organized and to make things work. Um, and we consistently had to adapt as we were going along by teaching the teachers new things and letting them experience things in a different way we had our regular tuesday staff meetings uh, at the end of the day on tuesdays and we used that opportunity each of those weeks to have our technology director do some professional development about the technology that was out there and that we were using to help the teachers understand it better we also um, made sure that that our teachers who were using the technology were able to teach each other. Uh, we did a survey of the teachers and said, what are you using that's fun and effective? And then once they told us what those things were, we made sure that they were then at those Tuesday meetings sharing those things with the other teachers.
0: Right, right. I think, yeah, 100% bringing people, bringing people in to, to sort of like um, step up in leadership roles as teachers uh, amongst other teachers is is such a valuable thing uh, such a valuable uh contributor to the success here but i also think that uh, i i guess my question is is how much was uh exploring technology spaces or maybe even taking pedagogical risk how much was that already a part of your culture and just to caveat on that even further how much does this teach us as school leaders how much creating cultivating an environment in which taking risk and trying new things in the classroom is valuable not only for its own sake but because there will always be uh, situations hopefully never like this one again but always situations that require us to be nimble and thoughtful and innovative so i guess the question is is how much was this a part of your culture and how much uh, importance should we be placing on cultivating this kind of environment
1: That's a really good question. You know, I think for us, we want our teachers to be creative, we want them to try new things and we've, we've, as often as we can, we, we encourage them to be thinking outside the box. Uh, we want them to be incorporating technology as much as possible. In our last uh, reaccreditation, one of the recommendations that we had was finding a way to incorporate technology more into the classroom. We had mm-hmm. a great computer lab, but they wanted us to incorporate it more into the classroom itself. And um, I, I don't think that we'd have that same recommendation at this point in time Correct. because our teachers Correct. have found a great way to do it. You know, we had some very nervous teachers. They were very nervous about being able to do it. And I applaud their efforts Uh, in the work that they did. We had some teachers who were more afraid that in the younger grades that they were requiring kids to sit in front of screens too long, Mm -hmm. but anybody can have a video conference and sit in front of a screen, but they they didn't want to have their students for three or four hours a day staring at a screen and having instruction with them, so we had to find that right balance, and that's really where... um, the most creativity had to come into things. It's finding that balance to make sure that the teachers and the kids weren't staring at a screen all day right. uh, and had a way to explore new pieces and parts of technology as they were going along.
0: Right. The great book uh, is by um, this guy named Mike Schmoker. It's called Focus. Great book. And and it was written a few years ago about um, so much uh, sort of progressivism and technology infusion into education has been sort of like the Schma, like kind of for, for its own sake, right? Not necessarily in service of enriching or enhancing instruction, but rather just to be able to say, hey, we're using technology in the classroom, right? And it's the book is sort of a call to go back to basics. I don't fully personally agree with, um, I always say that like, I wouldn't want a school in Mr. Schmoker's image, but it is a great book and his voice is an important one to have at the table, I think, when we're making decisions about how we wanna shape pedagogy. Um, but I'm wondering how technology is gonna look once we sort of like return to normal. got that soon um are teachers going to be like you know what we want much less screen time and are we going to see uh maybe maybe less using technology just to be able to say i'm using technology in the
1: classroom it's a really really good point and and i've told my teachers so many times don't just use technology because we're telling you to use technology use it because it's enhancing the curriculum that you're teaching and, you know, just for the, it's it's like our smart boards, right? Don't use your smart board as a glorified projector, right? Use it for the smart board technology. That's part of it. I right. think one of the things that we're seeing through this, you know, I don't, I don't know that we'll ever go back to the way things were completely. And I think that that's okay. I think that, you know, living in a small community, like we are in Memphis, Tennessee, where oftentimes it's very difficult to, bring in uh, specifically Jewish studies educators who want to move to Memphis and can work in our school. This opens up the opportunity that we can do a lot more of this distance type of learning, even with kids inside the building. We were already a one-to-one school. So we already had the computers for the middle schoolers to be using and iPads for the younger kids to be using. But now to be able to use this technology in the classroom, I think it'll enrich the things that are happening in class it'll make the opportunity when kids go home and want to be able to work on a project with a classmate they'll be able to use google Teams or microsoft sorry microsoft teams in a way that they never knew that they could do that before so i right. think it really opens them up to doing different things and i think that the teachers will find that the ability that they had of of sharing their screen or doing a lesson with the kids um the way that we have these last few months will enable them to be stronger teachers in the classroom Mm -hmm. by incorporating that technology into what they're doing. It's not gonna replace it, but I think that it'll enrich it in a way that we never imagined we could before or we were afraid to before. And I think that's the key, right? I think that we were often afraid to do things or, oh, that'll never work and, you know, we see now that it can. You know, I think that we're rethinking how we give homework uh, as a result of this, because the kids were able to get so much accomplished during the day, and the parents have enjoyed the afternoons and evenings with their kids, whether it's cooking together or watching a show together or going for a walk together, playing a board game, whatever it is, that I think that we have to think about that after-school time in a different way to be able to maintain the luxuries that our families had of that family time together during these last few months because I think parents are going to be starving for that when their kids go back to school except for those parents that can't wait for their, their kids to go back to school and you know have a little break from them but, but I think for the most part they're going to want to have a little bit of that time together right. and so I think that we're going to have to rethink the capabilities that we have to get more accomplished during the school day
0: yeah and I think you're sp- you're speaking about how to just maintain a better balance and a more thoughtful yeah. balance exactly uh, and that's a, that, uh, that segueing to the to the last uh, kind of area we want to talk about it's um, what one one thing I've sort of like been been thinking a lot about over the past couple of months is we spend a lot of time uh, as schools, clarifying, refining, aligning our decisions to our mission and vision, right? How do, we communi- how do we set our mission and vision as a school and how do we communicate that mission and vision and make sure that our decisions, how we allocate our time and our space and our resources, how they are all aligned to that mission, is that's, that's the goal, right? But what I've been thinking about over the past uh, kind of two months is what about when we have new scenarios is it important to have sort of like micro mission and visions for different things, right? We have a a school mission, but do we have a pedagogical mission? Do we, are are folks clear about what our vision is for great teaching in a classroom? And the next, and and, uh, to that point, uh, I read a book recently uh, called Shoe Dog. It's the uh, memoir of the founder of Nike. It's a great book, I really recommend it. And it's not what you might think uh, it is. It was very, 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 really good. Not that you would think it's not good, but it's really interesting. Um, and one of the things that uh, Phil Knight, who founded Nike said is he was always driven by this uh, George Patton quote, General Patton, uh, who said how, um, that, it was strange to put, you know, General Patton into a pedagogical conversation, but Patton used to say, don't tell, pe- uh, or he would say this, sorry, tell people what you want, but don't tell them how to do it, meaning, you want to communicate what the vision for the for, for what we're doing is but don't suppress their creativity give them latitude autonomy to be able to own it right and be creative and i was also thinking another great book that i've rec- uh, talked about on the podcast before this book made to stick uh talks about how in the army they say that no battle plan survives contact with the enemy that ultimately we want to have a good battle plan but we want to be able to boil our battle plan down to like we got to get that flag that way, when things invariably get messy or go ways that we didn't predict it to, everyone still knows ultimately where we want to go so that they feel empowered to shift the plan but still execute the overall mission. So coming back to the original question, this is a super long-winded way to ask it. <laughs> how do we communicate? I was thinking a lot about this. How do I communicate what I value as a school leader in, during COVID, during uh, during these classes, during virtual learning, and then how does that open up new conversations around what's our mission for this? What's our mission for the social emotional learning of students? What's our vision for uh, for this or that? Right? And and so that's that's something I'm interested to hear your take on.
1: So it's a it's a really good question. You know, I think one of the things for us that is strange even during this COVID time is that we started a strategic planning process, our board, right at, like back in January, I think we started it. And we didn't stop. We still, even during this time, we, we made sure that we were going forward with that strategic plan. And we were identifying where those areas were, that we wanted to focus our time and attention on, because it's not just the kids in the curriculum and the pedagogy, it's also the development side of things. It's the recruitment and admission side of things. There's so much that goes into leading a school besides just the kids in curriculum. Right. And when I look at that strategic plan and the work that we did, it made us rethink about our vision. And we asked that exact question that you did, should each of those categories or buckets we're calling them, for our strategic plan. Each one of those really needs a vision of its own. And one of the big questions that that I've been asked a lot over the entire school year, not just during the last few months from my staff, they wanna know from me, right here I am in my second year as head of school, they wanna know, Dan, what's your vision for the school? And I've really struggled with that because for me, my vision of what makes our school strong is that I have a faculty and staff that can be visionaries themselves. Mm -hmm. And for me, I want to know what each one of their visions are because I think that that's the beauty of a small private school is that it's not just do things one way. It's, there's a lot of different ways to do things and you're really drawing on the best of what you have and who you have. And, I've really been working with the teachers to help them develop their visions because I think that together that'll allow us to see the, the bigger picture when it comes to each of the little things. Um, certainly when it comes to social and emotional learning, and we've spent all year this year focusing heavily on social emotional learning. We, we hired a, a school counselor. We um, did a whole huge workshop on, um, on signs of, of depression and suicide. We brought in a therapy dog to school. Uh, we do daily check-ins with our students, not to find out, did you do your homework or did you struggle with the assignment, but how are you feeling? Right. So, you know, that's been a vision and we needed a vision to be able to do that. Right. And, and it's, it, it can't just be the leader's vision, but I think that the role of a leader is to help all of the people in the organization have their vision come to fruition.
0: Totally. And I think you're, you're speaking about um, the sort of inverted pyramid of leadership. I think that most folks are uh, tr- uh, in, the, in the mental framework, the mental paradigm of the traditional pyramid of leadership, which is the leaders on top and everyone's below him or her, right? Um, but the inverted pyramid puts the leader at the bottom, sort of lifting up the rest of the pyramid um, and, and, and raising up everyone else, uh, their voice and their perspective and their opinion uh so that they feel empowered to be part of the process as well and that's an incredible incredible thing Um, i want to i want to hear more especially about uh the emotional support dog visiting the school but i also want to be respectful of our time limit for the podcast Um, so i want to uh let's end here but i want to say uh first off dan it has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you i'm hopeful that uh that you come and be a guest on the podcast again soon um, and thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, great conversation. I hope there's a food for thought uh, for those who are um, subscribing to the podcast. And I hope that you continue to listen and send your feedback uh, to uh, Prisma. And we are so grateful for you to take some time to be with us today. Hope to be with you next time. Dan, thanks so much again for being with us.
1: My pleasure, thank you. I really enjoy talking about school. So this was a great conversation. For Absolutely, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. All right, have a great day
0: everybody, thanks. That was an amazing podcast. Thank you, Josh. For contact info and links from today's episode, check us out at prisma.org. Follow us on social media at prismacjds. Subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And check out the Prisma Knowledge Center, our online place to find resources, templates, articles, reports, and research on all things day school for day school leaders.